There we go. Hey, friends. Uh, welcome to RUF. My name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister. Uh, what is RUF? One way that we like to talk about it is that RUF is a place, a ministry for the convinced and the unconvinced alike to come and hear about the good news of Jesus and what it means to be loved by him, to belong to him, and what it means to follow him in community together. So we're really glad that you're here, uh, whether you know Jesus and love him or are not yet sure uh, so much about him. I'm glad that you're here. And you're here on a good night. We're starting a new series that we're going to be in the rest of the semester in the book of Ephesians. And tonight we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1, uh, verse 1 to 14. So if you want to open your Bible, your Bible app, or own your handout on the inside to follow along, let's read our passage first, then I'll pray, then I'll jump into what I have for us tonight. Here's what Paul writes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. It's one of my favorite names for Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. Let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Let's pray first. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this epistle to your people in Ephesus many, many years ago. We thank you for preserving it for us that we might know you, that we might know the good news, the good news of your son Jesus, that we might know our need for him, and that we might know, especially tonight, Lord, by your grace and the working of your spirit, that we might know what belonging to Jesus, what the riches of grace that is and means for us, how life-changing it is, and what a a hope that we have in Christ, Uh, what riches of grace we have in him. Lord, would you bring that to bear in our hearts and lives tonight as you alone can do. Father, we ask these things and pray these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. This is the way I want to frame what we're looking at tonight in this first uh, 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. And it's going to be a lot. So this is going to be maybe a little bit like drinking from a fire hydrant tonight. So hang in there. Um, I'm going to try to not go too fast, but hang in. But this is the way I want to frame it. I want to ask this question is, what does it mean? What do we have? What do we have when we have faith in Christ? What do we have when we have faith in Christ? Let me tell a quick story. My 
sophomore year, rush fraternity, you're here the first week. I got real into my appearance, and I went with my family to New York for just a vacation that summer. And I decided that I wanted to hit Canal Street. If you've been to New York, you know you can find, like, knockoff uh, high-end stuff on Canal Street. And I decided that I really needed a, a fake Rolex. So I went, got one. I mean, I wore that thing just all around campus, feeling cool, until it broke, like, three, three months later. Didn't last long because it was not real. And then my graduation from Carolina, my dad has this amazing gift for me. It's a real Rolex. And I'm like... This is pretty cool. I tried the fake one. It didn't last very long. The real one seems like the real deal. But to be honest, over the years, by the time we got with RUF to Georgia Southern and Statesboro, I didn't wear that Rolex very much. It actually sat in a toiletry bag in my bathroom for most of the time until we moved from Statesboro to Columbia. And I think what happened is we just kind of were packing furiously. Our youngest, Sadie, had just been born. I just, we just dumped the toiletry bags into boxes. And next thing I knew, I'm looking for the Rolex, and it's gone. Stolen in the move somewhere. Lost to me. And I say that because, what's the point? There, there's a point. There's always a point, at least an attempted point. I didn't know what I had. I didn't know how valuable it was. And if I'm honest with you, that's, I think, the struggle of the Christian life. To know the riches of grace that are ours in Christ Jesus. To know what we have just by faith in him alone. What do we have when we have faith in Christ? I think we have three things that Paul brings out for us. Three things that we have when we have faith in Christ. We have a forever love. We have a plentiful redemption. And we have a beautiful inheritance. We have a forever love, we have a plentiful redemption, and we have a beautiful inheritance. That's how we're going to do it. Let's start with a forever love. Another way to frame this passage is Paul is looking at the mountains, the glorious majesty of God's grace, past, present, and future. And in the past, he begins using these words, election and predestination. Those are big words. But what I want you to see is Paul doesn't use them uh, as fighting words. He doesn't use them to, like, confront Theologically, Instead, notice what he's doing. He's using them to anchor us in this forever love of God. He's saying they're beautiful biblical truths to revel in. Let's look at them just for a second together. He uses the words, you were election, we are, you were chosen. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Before the mountains were formed, God set his love upon you. I love the way that Charles Spurgeon said it. He said it like this. He said, I believe the doctrine of election Because I'm quite certain that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I am sure he chose me before I was born, or else he would never have chosen me afterwards. And he must have elected me for reasons unknown to me, for I never could find in myself why he should have looked upon me with special love. I like the way that some guys say it. We're not choice. God didn't set his love upon us because we're so amazing. But he set his love upon us, and we have something beautiful and forever. But then he also says, predestined for adoption. We're chosen before the foundation of the world. But then he also says, we've been predestined for adoption. Meaning God set his love upon us to bring us in space and time into his family as sons and daughters. We now have a home. We have a family I love the story that Russell Moore tells. He's a writer, now the editor of Christianity Today, pastor. He tells the story of adopting their first son from Russia. And he tells the story of going into that orphanage. And the first thing that struck him and his wife, Maria, was how silent it was. 
just eerily silent. But then they met their son. He's a baby. And they got to hold him and be with him. But then that day, they couldn't take him home that day. They had to leave the orphanage. And Russell Moore tells a story as they were leaving the orphanage. They heard this piercing scream. This loud cry. And he said, more than all the legal process, more than the, all the paperwork being signed, that was when I knew that was my son. I heard his cry for love. And he says it like this. He wrote about this experience. He said, I had read the Abba cry passages in Romans and Galatians the same way I'd heard them preached as a gurgle of familiarity, the spiritual equivalent of an infant cooing papa or daddy. Relational intimacy is surely present in those texts, but this definitely isn't sentimental. After all, Scripture tells us that Jesus' spirit lets our hearts cry, Abba, Father. Jesus himself cried, Abba, Father, as he screamed with loud cries and tears for deliverance in the Garden of Gethsemane. Similarly, the doctrine of adoption shows us that we groan with the creation itself as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It is the scream of the crucified. And it's as if Paul is saying, God heard that cry of our heart to belong, to know the love of the Father. And he brought us in to his family, knowing, being foreloved before the world itself. Uh, my favorite movie that I've seen so far this year, I've joked with some guys that it's Top Gun Maverick, which is an amazing movie. But I think actually my favorite movie is called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is very polarizing. Clay is not a fan. If you want to talk to Clay about his, why you shouldn't like it. Uh, I loved it. It's a, it's a really disorienting movie. I think the humor is just right up my alley. It is, you have to suspend your belief because the time jumps. The, the short story is Wayman and his wife, Evelyn, they're running this laundry shop and they've come into some tax trouble. And I don't know how to explain this, but somehow Wayman is a time traveler. And so what happens, you're watching this movie, just stay with me. You're watching this movie as they jump through various possibilities of lives. Each of them, Wayman, the husband, and Evelyn, the wife, could have lived. But in each sort of jump, in each universe, they seem to find each other. They don't always end up together, but they seem to find each other in various different possibilities of life outcomes. But the one that gets quoted the most, and I think is one of the most moving, is this, in this one jump, they end up on a dark street. Wayman is, is dressed in a tux. Evelyn is dressed in a beautiful gown. And they find each other. They've clearly chosen different spouses but then there's this beautiful moment where Wayman says to Evelyn, he says this, he says, so even though you have broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. And you watch Evelyn grasp his love. Do you grasp the father's love for you? We sing about it, how deep and how wide is the Father's love for us? It's a forever love. Here's how God says it in Isaiah 54. He says, For the mountains may move, and the hills disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain. Why? Because it existed before those mountains. It existed before those hills. What do we have when we have faith in Christ, we have a love that will never pass away, a love that comes to us completely undeserved. And can I just say, we're not going to harbor here. I'm not a huge application guy, but can you imagine if you felt that love, how it would change the way you date? <laughs> like you would say, I am loved by the Father. 
I'm going to choose someone worthy who gets that, who can love me in the name of that love. Or even the way that we do friendship and like have roommates. How much more gracious and kind could we be? Could I be? Could you be if we were filled and knew and, and believed the love, the forever love that we have? But let's keep moving for time's sake. So first, what do we have when we have faith in Christ? We have a forever love. But second, we have a plentiful redemption. And this is where if you're following Paul's logic, we're moving in the Trinitarian love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to get the Holy Spirit next. But he's looking at the work of Jesus, the Son, and he uses those two words. But I want you to notice what I love about Ephesians 1. Have you ever, I don't know if you've got like younger siblings, toddlers, or if you can remember if you babysat, or if you've got little cousins. I've got four kids. They're not so little anymore. But I can remember when a toddler gets really excited and they want to tell you a story. There's that kind of and then, and then, and then, and you're trying to keep up. And you're like, just, okay. I mean, I would get to the point, guys. I'm like, all right, get to the point. Let's get to the point. This is what Paul's doing. This, this whole text is this one beautiful, excited, run sentence where he's just amazed at this, at the gospel. And he applies it to Jesus, this plentiful redemption. He says we have two things. We have redemption through his blood, and we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. Uh, it makes me think of A uh, Quiet Place which I always thought would be an amazing movie just for introverts, a place to live where no one speaks to each other. We're just alone and are quiet. But it's not about that. If you've seen it, it's about monsters instead. When you make noise, you die, basically. But if you know how that film builds, the, the beautiful end where Lee, played by John Krasinski's character, the monsters are coming. He's trying to protect his family. You've seen this. If you've not seen it, this is a spoiler, but just it's been out for four years now. And there's that scene where he makes that loud noise and the monsters come and destroy him. And when I, you watch it, it's like, it's this beautiful glimpse into Jesus. Because what is Lee doing? He's giving his life. He's giving himself for the freedom of his family. And Paul is saying, don't you see? This is Jesus. He goes to the cross bearing your name and my name for our freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from hell, freedom from eternal death. But it's more than that. It's also the forgiveness of our trespasses. I have a friend who loves to say, I know that I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. Uh, Yesterday was REF Sunday. If you have a chance to make it, that's awesome. But you heard me tell the story of one of my greatest regrets from college, which was just the way I shamed one of my fraternity brothers, just icy cold judgment all the time, and eventually let my sister know about it, how hurtful it was to him. But after the service, a man pulled me aside and he said, have you had the chance to apologize to him? And I was like, ooh. Uh, I've not run into him, but like I could easily, we're Facebook friends, like I could easily just shoot him a message. And then he wanted to tell the story where he said, you know, a moment for me that was similar he said, I didn't get the chance to ask for forgiveness. He's like, I was in school. And he was like, there was a kid in our class who basically was just an awkward kid, didn't fit in. And me and my friends just kind of low-key made fun of him. We bullied him. He said, next thing we knew, he didn't show up to school for two days. And on the third day, the teacher came and told us uh, he actually died. He had leukemia. He actually died. And he said, he was sharing his beautiful moment of vulnerability. He just said, it was a real moment for me where I realized I don't ever want to make someone feel this way again. But the way I want to say it to us is, do you have moments in your life, maybe even today, 
or you think, how could I have done that? And you can't even forgive yourself. But then you realize there is one who can speak that word of forgiveness to you. Because he is ultimately, like David said in Psalm 51, the one who we have sinned against by hurting people made in his image. And we go to Jesus and he offers forgiveness freely. He forgives us for the trespasses of our sins. And this is where, what do we have faith in? Here's what I want to challenge you in. Normally, in ministry, and especially college ministry, we tend to have faith in our love for Jesus. How we have loved him, what we have done for him, how we're doing spiritually. Can I say that Paul is saying, that's not right. Our faith is in Jesus and his love for us. And if we ever want to begin to love like Jesus, we have to first be loved by Jesus. And Paul is saying, do you not see the plentiful redemption that is yours in him? And then for time's sake, let's keep moving. So we have a a forever love, a plentiful redemption, but then we have this beautiful inheritance. And this is when Paul gets to talking about the role of the Holy Spirit and assuring us of certain things. And this means, can we just not miss this? This does mean, let me say this clearly, the Holy Spirit's main work in your life is not sort of to give you a word from the Lord or to make you speak in tongues. His main work, Paul is saying, in your life is to bring home to your heart and life the gospel. The good news, not about what you have done for Jesus, but the good news about through the love of the Father, what Jesus has done for you and me and his life and death and resurrection. And that's what he assures us of. Another way to say it is, I feel like there are a lot of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, <laughs> the, let's just, the, the, the one way to say it is, it's less Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire. It's much more Stevie Wonder's signed, sealed, and delivered. That's what we're talking about. It's the Holy Spirit assuring us of the work of Jesus who was sent by the Father, and he assures us of two things. He assures us of the good news of the resurrection. What does that even mean? Let me just try it like this. Learn today of two, from my, I grew up in Sumter, this is about an hour from here, but I learned of two tragic car accidents over the weekend. One is a former cousin-in-law by marriage. The other is this beautiful uh, older couple in Sumter who are faithful, faithful, godly people, both dead in a car crash. What do we do with that? What do we do with death? And sometimes the best I've got, and this is going to be extremely Presbyterian, and I'm not ashamed of that, is the Heidelberg Catechism question one. Do you know it? What is your only comfort in life and death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And here's what it says. That I am not my own but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. This is why I tell my family all the time, when I die, bury me. Don't, don't make me into ashes. <laughs> this is morbid. <laughs> but I want to make it easy for Jesus to raise my body. Not that, not that it would be hard for Jesus just to put me back together. 
But do you believe in the resurrection, that Jesus is risen, and this is where the Holy Spirit assures us of this good news, that we are going to go, he is going to raise us to be with him, and he also assures us that part of his work is what Paul says, uniting in heaven and in things in heaven and on earth, it's the good news of the restoration of all things. Uh, The way that one guy likes to say it is, Jesus is not making all new things, he is making all things new. Is Sam in Lord of the Rings? If you're a Lord of the Rings person, you know this. They've just destroyed the ring. They've, they've taken it to Mount Doom. The eagles have taken them back. They wake up with Gandalf, and Sam asks that question to Gandalf. Will all the sad things come untrue? And the Holy Spirit assures us, yes. Because Jesus is risen, and he has already begun to make all things new. I'll close with this. You might have heard this before if you've been around where you have, but... Uh, One of my favorite, I watch it every year. One of my favorite YouTube clips is from this PBS show called Antiques Roadshow. And there's this one episode in particular with this older guy, blue-collar guy named Bill. And if you don't know the concept of the show, why would you? Uh, The concept of the show is people bring what they think might be something valuable to this antique roadshow to get it essentially evaluated by these um, just high-end collectors. And so this guy, Bill, brings this blanket. He knows it to be a Navajo blanket that's kind of been through his family. It was a gift from Kit Carson, who's kind of famous. Uh, so, you know, there's some important kind of context to it. But he says, basically, we've had this blanket our whole lives. My family has passed through my family. But to be honest with you, it's only ever kind of sat slumped over our recliner in the living room. We never thought too much of it other than it's kind of cool. So he brings this thing in to get, to get evaluated. And you can tell from the first moment the evaluator, the collector, is like looking at it and he seems in awe. And he just kind of starts looking at all the various things. And, and then he basically says, Bill, do you understand what you have here? He says, Bill, this is not just a Navajo blanket. This is actually like a chief's blanket. And it's really, really old. And the fact that this was a gift to your family from someone famous is important. Do you understand? This is exceedingly rare. Like, these don't exist anymore. And Bill's kind of, like, trying to keep up. And then he says, Bill, do you have any idea what this old blanket is worth? And Bill says, no, it's only ever been in our living room. And he says, Bill, conservatively, this is worth a million dollars easy. And Bill starts weeping. I mean, it's a really moving clip he just starts weeping and he starts saying i had no idea he said we've been so poor our whole lives i had no idea do you have any idea what you have when you have faith in jesus the way that paul says it is you have the riches of his grace which he lavished upon you let's pray Lord, we need your help to believe the gospel. We can't believe it apart from you. Lord, we need your help to know how to apply it to our own hearts, how to be changed by your love for us. And Lord, I I thank you that you promised to do that work in us. So Lord, I pray for myself and my friends tonight that you would. And we pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing our closing hymn with us.